What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today. You're going to be chatting with Bulletproof Diesel. They specialize in power stroke upgrades and, and performance. Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World Magazine is going to be chatting with them, and he chatted with them at SEMA. So they're going to go over SEMA and diesel performance and racing and tons of different things. So we know you guys are going to love this episode. Before we get to it, we want to thank our sponsors who help make episodes like this possible. It's Diesel Doctor of Tennessee, Precision Industries, Dan's Diesel Performance, Truck Porn, Diesel Crate, PPI, BD Diesel, Amsoil, Nasty Truck Network, Diesel World Magazine, ATS Diesel, Magnolia Diesel Performance, and Optilube. So if you guys are looking for upgrades, have product questions, build questions, make sure and check out our sponsors and give them a call or send them an email. They're more than happy to help you. All right, let's get to the podcast with Bulletproof Diesel. All right, everybody, we're here at SEMA 2018. We're here with the guys from Bulletproof Diesel. Howdy. We got Jeff Delenn and Gene Neal. Hey, Adam. Uh, these guys have been buddies of mine for years. Uh, just wanted to see uh, what you guys thought about the show. You guys got in uh, what, yesterday morning, or sorry, yeah. this morning. Yeah. Been yeah, the show so far. You know, one of the things I saw that was kind of interesting to me was, maybe you saw this too, Gene, up in the Ford booth, there's a support truck, you know, a, a, a Super Duty that's built with a service bed, but the service bed unfolds they have drawers and tools that pull out and everything and it's all actuated and I really really like it and uh, the general manager of Bulletproof Diesel and uh, Andrew and I saw it and he said it's really cool but that lasts about 10 minutes in Baja you know all of those motors and servos would just get beat to hell and, and so it was really cool seeing that and, I, and I, would, I think it's a really cool truck it looks like a transformer it almost kind of on the bed yeah, yeah. it's yeah. cool so for everyone that doesn't know um, the Bulletproof guys, you guys are really involved in off-road racing. Correct. So that's you know that's your mindset sometimes is looking at those things if it will not survive exactly. a thousand miles in the dirt getting beat up. I mean that's how we test a lot of our products. You know, tested yeah. Baja. Jeans brought our product up to Alaska, which is something. Mm-hmm. And uh, in yeah. the winter time. In the winter time. Yeah. In the winter. And yeah, parts really get chewed up and spit out. And so uh, as cool as some of the stuff is, you know you. You have to wonder if it would survive down there, stuff we've seen at the show. Well, I think it's fair to set the table, because when we go down to the Baja, we don't just go down to a beach and sit on a beach. We help support Cameron Steele and the Desert Assassins Racing Association, our racing team, and they'll do like the Baja 1000, and about every third year, they go all the way from Ensenada, which is up by San Diego, all the way down to the tip in Cabo. And that race, they run that race in about 24 hours for the fastest trucks. Rip to the tip? Well, that's a motorcycle thing. Sorry, okay. But they'll do the Baja 1000. Sometimes they just do a big loop out of Ensenada, starts and ends. But sometimes they go all the way down to the end, and you have to have support trucks all the way down there. You can't service it at pit one and then beat them to pit three. Those guys will run 1,000 miles in 20 hours, 24 hours. They average 60 miles an hour. So our trucks have to get back in there in those remote places with a bunch of fuel, tires, tools, air guns, jacks, crew. And so... Everything just gets beat to snot getting back in there. There's no smooth roads. Even the paved roads are rough in Baja, let alone the off-road. And so that's why it's important because Bulletproof Diesel, that's our mindset. If it won't last there, it's not good enough for your truck, for right. your products. That's kind of our whole mindset defines us. When you guys just built a new chase truck um, that is in the February issue of Diesel World, um, out on stands and month. Yeah. 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 Ye
Well, Ken's also been asking me about every day when the, when the article's going to come out of the change truck, so I haven't memorized. He's really excited for it. But yeah, it's a, we really tried to build a next level change truck. We've got experience in building change trucks, and we've got a few of them that, that we've used in past years. And experience actually chasing. Chasing yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. But to take a 2018 truck with all the current technology and, and put all the cool stuff that's out now on it was really kind of the goal for this one, a next level kind of uh, flagship chase truck for us. Well, it's been out already, right? It has, indeed. Yeah. And, and so it, it's, it's really a cool truck, I've got to say. I mean, it's got Fox coilovers on the front, BDS uh, suspension. Uh, we did custom beavers on the back. Uh, you know, remote reservoir shocks and bump stops everywhere. So it can really takes those roads pretty quick. And it's got a service body on it, which means it's heavy. Indeed. How much, yeah. fuel, how much fuel do you carry for the, the trucks? So uh, the, I think the, the onboard fuel tank is, is 50 gallons, and then he did okay. two additional 50-gallon transfer tanks up on the bed. Each so, with its own spout. What's that, 1,200 pounds of fuel? Uh, 150 times 6, so yeah. Is it 6 pounds? That was 8. 6 okay. pounds. Uh, water's 8 pounds a gallon. Fuel's okay. 6, six and a really half. Really? Fuel's lighter than water? Yeah. Floats, I didn't know right? That. Yeah. Uh, floats floats on, on water. water. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Gotta know these things. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you went to engineering school. So nine, yeah. what, what is that, 900 pounds? Yeah. 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 If I can't do math, this is going to look real bad on I, did, I was under the impression there would not be math on the quiz. Right. Or, okay. Yeah. Okay. But so 900 pounds of fuel. Call it a thousand. Yeah. Fuel, a few hundred pounds of tire. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's a yeah. tire weigh? 100 pounds, 80 pounds. So yeah. So with the wheels. And 400 stuff. pounds maybe. Running what? Four spares in that. In the uh, at least truck. two. Yeah. Okay. At least yeah. two at all times, and then plus all the tools, you know, exactly. jacks and, and all that kind of stuff. We've got the trophy jack which we produce now, which is a pneumatically powered jack. Um, it's, it really is, is meant for CO, CO2 rather than like an air compressor. Right. So if you have a CO2 tank, uh, you, just, you just hit that lever and it has an airbag that comes up, kind of like the airbag on the back of the truck. Yeah. And so uh, it's been great for desert racers. It's got big old knobby you know, tires on it. They can slide it right under there, hit that lever, and the trophy truck comes right up. Is it real wide, I'm assuming, for stability? Or? Uh, it's not as wide as you might think. It, okay. it, it resembles a normal jack, but just a little bigger, a little longer. Yeah. And... Uh, with a, with a big metal footprint, so it sits on the sand and the dust. It doesn't sink. It doesn't sink in. Big course. skid plate underneath it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's got to lift them pretty far. I mean, if you've got a trophy truck with three feet of travel, you got to pick that thing at least a foot and a half up off the ground. Yeah, unless you're picking it up from the from the pumpkin. The, you the, pick the, it up right the, the axle. I'm sorry, of course. Yeah, yeah. From the differential. But there are there are situations where you need to pick the truck up from other places. So you're, yeah. you're not you're not wrong. It's a yeah. lot of travel. Yeah. It's a lot of travel. Well, one of the cool things, though, if we could cross-promote a minute, is when we go to the Baja, we have all the stuff, like you're saying, in the bed of the truck. And a lot of guys use E-Track or A-Track to hold it in place. And we've got a guy named Kenny that works with us, and Kenny invented this thing. We call it Kenny Track from is a shorthand inside the shop. But it's called, uh, we call it Handy Track, hand and then E-Track. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's a patented device that goes in E-Track that it's a rigid mount. So it's you don't have a... A strap that's going along trying to hold that tire or it's jack a or nice point for e-track. It's a bolt-on point for e-track. Yeah. It's the only thing like it in the world. Which is so strange. Don't you think it's strange that no one had invented that yet? I, yeah, I do. It blew my mind. I do, actually. Well, there's all sorts of tie-downs and all that, but if you wanted to actually, take a race jack or something and build a bolt-on mount for exactly. it and your trailer already has e-track, you're set. We've seen guys like toolboxes. You want them to secure it down in Mexico so they can put it up there, drill some holes, mount it up to that, and then they can lock the toolbox yeah. and they can't pick it up and carry it away. There's no straps to cut and right. walk away. It's rigidly mounted to the bed and 
want to move it out, take it out, put it in something else, five minutes and you're out. It's easy. It's really it's easy. cool. So the service body truck in Ford's booth was your favorite. <laughs> well, that, that was the thing I think we talked about the most because we were, we were talking about the pros of it, the cons on it, yeah. if it would work, if it wouldn't work, stuff like that. Gene and I also uh, took a minute to stop and look at the Ranger. And I don't know if the diesel is going to be uh, available in the United States immediately for the new Ranger, but I think it's probably in the works at some point. No, it's, it is going to be available. I is don't it? know if, I, I can't remember off the top of my head if it's immediately. What size engine is that going to be the diesel? Is that a three liter? Two, eight, I think. Okay. Is international? I can't remember for sure. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I'd really hate to say it, but I farm the OEM stuff out a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know. Well, Gene and I were both saying that the Ranger looks pretty cool. You yeah, know, they, like they did a decent job with it, we think. I wish we'd get a diesel Raptor here. Well, I, so I was talking but. to Gene about this. I think what's going to happen is they're saying there is going to be no Raptor uh, because they don't want to cannibalize in the Ranger sales. you're right. talking about. I'm saying a diesel. I know, I know. I know. We'll see if our well, we were texting. We were texting about this uh, yeah. a few days ago or weeks ago, whatever it was. But it makes sense. They don't want to cannibalize the yeah. big truck market. And for the U.S., it is a larger truck market, I think you start going overseas, it's not as much of a large truck market, it's the small trucks. Like, I was in Australia six years ago, I think. It was all Rangers. Yeah. Costa Rica, there's not a full-sized car yeah. anywhere. <laughs> there was a few Super Duties down there, but I mean, yeah. a few, you know. They're rare birds. And I really yeah. think the reason that Ford's not going to do the Ranger Raptor in the United States immediately is because they want people to get excited about the regular Ranger. First, you know, they don't want people yeah. to be waiting for the for the Raptor version. So right. I think what they've done is announced that there is going to be no Raptor in the interim. But I wouldn't be the least bit surprised within 24 months if we see a, a, a Ranger Raptor come to the U.S. market. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. But but that was so the Ranger and the we were, I guess we're just talking about Fords right now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But they've well, got an impressive like, lineup up there. It yeah. looks good. Yeah. I like them. They always have a pretty pretty interesting booth. And it's always like cool to see the GT cars, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was telling Gene, I think that's the most universally respected car. Because domestic guys like it, it's a Ford. Uh, the European crowd likes it, it's one Le Mans. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a yeah. supercar. So uh, in, in different circles of, of, of cars, that's the most respected I've ever seen a single model yet. Did you see the black dually they had with the TV that popped up out of the back? Is that the one with the... Uh, uh, the copper game? wheels on it? Yeah, the yeah, copper one, yeah. It's like it. an 80-inch TV or something <laughs> that just popped up out of the back. <laughs> Everybody has to have that. That's a standard feature now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, Is go, that go. the one that's for the tailgating option that they have? Yeah, like the speakers yeah, I and think such? so. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate to say it, I have not walked the show yet other than going from meeting to meeting. That's my day tomorrow. So I, I walked past it, looked at it, and just went, what the heck is that? And kept going. You know? <laughs> that's, hey, but, that's how it goes when you're busy at SEMA. I know that. Yeah. That's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. It's 18 years for me. How many years for you? About the I think same. this will be 16 for me. 16? Yeah, yeah, you got me beat. Yeah. I thought you had me beat. Nope. But how many years for you? I'm the new guy. Only 10 or 12. Yeah, I have, so. yeah. 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 Still enough to where you're used to it and you're not walking around with your jaw on the floor anymore. I remember my first year here. It was just, yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I lost my mind. Yeah. You know, it was just a little truck, you know, kid that loved trucks and walked in here. And, and that would have been right when big wheels were getting popular and yep. stuff like that. So, yeah, right. I remember coming here and being like, oh, my gosh, 22-inch wheels. I can't believe it. Yeah. There was, I think they were, I think they were actually 30s. It was just a fake wheel. It had to be fake. <laughs> and they probably wrapped it with, like, you know, black cloth to make it look like a tire. Yeah. But I remember it was on an H1. Um, so, what are those things? 8,000 pounds of the, the lightest they possibly yeah. were, yeah. but it was chrome spoke. And I'm looking at it going, there is no way 
those wheels will hold that vehicle up. I go and look behind it. There's a jack stand wrapped in black cloth so no one can see it. Wow. It was sitting on four jack stands on Not 30 inch. bearing wheels. Yep. Well, if you can sell those, you know, yeah. the power to that guy. This year, there's actually 30s out there. You yeah. guys see the 30 inch? No. Yeah. I, no. I, I have not seen any with tire on it yet. But they don't make a tire, so it just rides around on the chrome yeah. on the 30s. It's good for 10 miles. Yeah. It's basically going to do that anyway. Yeah, seriously. You know, that's going to be the return of the donk. I had 25 series tires on a vehicle once, and I'll never do it again. Just too yeah. thin, just band-aids like around a wheel. I bent wheels like you wouldn't believe. The worst was when it would rain, and you'd drive across a puddle, or when you thought it was a puddle, but really it was a puddle, you know? Mm -hmm. So there goes your wheel. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Was that your old uh, 7 Series BMW? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, now you're a BMW driver. How are you liking your diesel BMW? I yeah. love that thing. Yeah? A little 335D And you diesel. took it to the drag strip. Yeah, I, I had to take it just to see what it would do. Ran a 14.2. That's not bad. Um, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah that's not bad. Um, trap speed was low. I want to say it was like 79. Huh. Takes um, a while to spool up, maybe? No, it takes off hard. Does it? Really? And yeah. then it kind of falls on its face. Uh -huh. But uh, it's 200 horse at the wheels right now. It'll be... 400 around March. We got got some stuff on order for it. Now, pardon me for not knowing the BMW diesel system better, but is it is it common rail? Yeah. Direct injection. Yeah, yeah. it's common rail. Um, it is uh, compound turbo. Oh wow, cool. Two little tiny. One in front of the other. Can't even remember the size. Yeah. 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 yeah compound. Um, yeah, I mean it spools up real quick. I've got a lot of low end torque. That's um, great. It's huh. having fun in that thing, huh? It's fun, you know, and that's that's why I bought it. It's, is I buy you know I buy vehicles for the engines. You know I, I wanted a. It's an engine with a vehicle attached. Yeah, and it's yeah. but it's a luxury. Sometimes. It's a luxury vehicle attached yeah. to it. And I never thought I'd be a, a car guy, but it's been fun carving canyons with it. You know, hey, when you live in Southern California, you know it's sure nice to have something you can zip around in. You know you and I have driven nothing but giant trucks, and you know it's hard yeah. to park them because yeah. parking spots in LA aren't made for them and yeah. stuff like that. So. Yeah, in fact, as an Arizona guy, when I go to Southern Cal, I go. Probably gonna be a parking garage yeah. in my future. I better get something lower than four feet yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. I know every parking garage I can get to. You know, all six with, of them in Southern Cal. Yeah, with my seven three, there's only a few that I can actually fit in. You know, that reminds me. I used to know every uh, bathroom on the way to work in case I had to make an emergency stop, <laughs> which happened. Well, so. you know, you're driving a diesel now, and it got a car, but Jeff, we got him into a six-liter for yeah. the first time. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. King's that's... Ranch, and I'm curious to know what you think, Jeff. And I'm loving it. I, I tell you, I bought the truck kind of to be a, uh, a utility truck to tow my 4 by 4 and stuff, and I daily drive it now, and I love it. I really, really like the truck. King Ranch, than. right? King Ranch, a 2006 F-350, a one-ton, and uh, it's, a, it's a white truck, tan highlights, nothing too flashy on it. Um, we did a video series uh, that you guys, Diesel World, uh, hosted for us. We did five parts to it, kind of correcting the five pattern failures that we find. In These are up on our YouTube and our Facebook. Yeah, yeah. As well as yours as well. And we got a lot of great feedback on it, so people yeah. really appreciated it. But we went through the kind of the five big things that we talked about in the six-liter engine. So the and this truck needed it all. It, it did. Was, did it came really. in real hammered and it was smoking white, white smoke out the back. It had it. the head gaskets had holes in them. Like, Crazy, yeah. So when I was hired, I said, what is this truck? And they said, oh, we're going to use that for something, maybe some videos or something like that. And I, I kind of always had my eye on it, too. Like, ah, you know what? Maybe when that thing's running right off, I'll see if they'll sell it to me. And uh, long story short, that's what happened. But but it took a while to get there. So first, we, we, we uh, removed the stock oil cooler, because that's really a source of so many problems. Right. You know, plugs up with that coolant debris, and then 
coolant can't get past it, so the EGR cooler gets hot and ruptures and all kinds of stuff. So Oil temps go crazy. Yeah. Turns your coolant into Play-Doh, essentially. Yeah. You know? yeah. But yeah. to fix it, and that's the big part, to fix it, you have to pull the cap off. Indeed. Well, you can, you can do it without pulling the, the cap off. The oil cooler, you don't have to, yeah. It's certainly easier have more elbow room than yeah. cab. Yeah, but we've seen videos. In fact, I was just watching one. Uh, a guy did it outdoors uh, in, in, up in the northwest somewhere and did the whole oil cooler kit outdoors. He did a time lapse of it. Oh, did it was he? Really something, oh. yeah. He had a cover over it in case it rained, like a tarp cover and yeah. stuff. But, wow. I mean, that guy's going for it. He didn't stud it at the same time, did he? Probably not. I can't imagine he took the no. top end. Do you think they'll get to jack the, uh, the cab up just a couple inches to get, like, the last two studs out? Maybe. To do it right, you need to pull the the, the, the cab, yeah. basically. And I know there's five million mechanics who just say, no, you don't, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, for our standards of Boulder, we want to make sure that torque wrench swings perfectly every time. It's not, was that a click or did it hit the, you know, the degas pile or something? We want yeah. to make sure it's perfect. Is it and my so that's elbow what we or did do. it actually click? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting old. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, that's what we do. But I'm sure you could get around it. And if you had to, you could. But right. We don't. So we did our, our full bulletproof oil cooler kit in it. So um, replaced, re relocated the oil cooler in, in, into a totally different style, which we do, which is almost like a radiator style, air to oil. Air to oil, okay. Yeah, right. uh, up here at the front of the truck. We also did the bypass oil filtering, which is nice. It just keeps your oil that much cleaner. Right. The AMS oil filter on the, on the other side of the, the engine compartment. Big, massive um, filter gets rid of, I know, the stock filtration has an issue with the bypass on it where what is it it doesn't filter it bypasses the filter altogether if you use the wrong filter yeah on the factory on just to be clear on a six liter oil filter it's a cartridge style right. and then uh, you thread the little cap off on the top to lift it up to pull the filter out and what happens is when you lift that up Ford doesn't want you to have a bunch of oil on the filter so they put a little drain valve at the bottom yeah. um, so when you lift it up it drains the oil out of that reservoir back to the crankcase We've seen a couple issues. One of us, that little drain valve is made out of about 37 cents worth of plastic and spring, and it likes to break. And so it'll be broken, and you won't know it. It's just an oily, gooky mess down there. Nobody knows what to look for, but we find them broken fairly routinely. Um, that's one of the problems. The other problem is, is there's a little bypass valve like you're talking about on the top. That it's designed if your filter gets so plugged up, it'll still feed oil to the engine. It'll just feed it dirty oil instead of, instead of clean oil. Hey, welcome to SEMA. So yep. the, uh, <laughs> come on through. So uh, it just filled, so that little bypass valve is made out of about 47 cents worth of plastic in spring. And we see those juxtaposed or put in there incorrectly all the time. Or, yeah, askew is probably the better word. Right. So oil is just bypassing your filter all day right to your engine and shortchanging your injectors and everything else. So. Beating up your injectors, beating up your turbo. For that two, those two reasons, that's why we get rid of those two things. We go to a spin on oil filters. What you see is what you get. Keep right. it simple, and it just works super well. It's it's the filter that everyone's that everyone's been using for years, not the new cartridge style. Stick. Yeah, it works. It's yeah. Holds a couple quarts more, or holds a quart more, or something like that. Uh, a couple, two or three. Is yeah. it that many? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. For the first fill up, it'll hold quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. So, so you guys studded it. Yeah, we studded it. The ARP had studs on that because you know the six liter really doesn't have enough head bolts in the factory to hold those, those cylinder heads in the block. Because it has what ten, right? Ten. And the seven three has at least twelve, I think. Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, it's more. I can't remember exactly. What is it? Uh, essentially two per cylinder on the uh, the six zero. It's ten on a six liter, but so it's a little bit exactly more. Right. And then, yes, uh, it's more. 
more substantial. There's more of them around you. A 7.3 uses significantly more. It's like 16 or 18 per head. Right. So, I tell you, that the head studs your solve problem. I've not heard of anyone having a big problem with ARP head studs. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty bulletproof, as it were, part. You know? It's a great product. Yeah. works well. Yeah. Yep. Then from there, we did the, the EGR cooler, uh, which is kind of what people know us for, I think. Right. EGR cooler. Now the 6-liter uh, EGR coolers have H-core technology in them. Which is a. It's just uh, pretty slick. Yeah, it's really something. I've seen this stuff. So it's easy to explain too, which is nice. So if you can imagine. Wait, it, if Jeff can explain it, anybody yeah, can get it. I yeah. like this. Let's hear it. So if you can imagine <laughs> an EGR cooler, uh, a factory one, uh, inside it's, it's kind of thin passageway, it's like a radiator. Yep. And so uh, everything usually works fine with EGR coolers until there's maybe not as much coolant getting to it as it should. Right. So if a, a, a EGR cooler is laying horizontal and, and coolant only bathes, say, fills up half of it with coolant, that upper half, it's not going to bathe with coolant, start expanding, just heat expansion, right. and it'll push the end plates just apart until they rupture. They and, then, yeah. and then you'll get you know, coolant in the exhaust and vice versa right. and stuff like that. We had originally found that uh, a much better way uh, for some of these EGR coolers is straight tubes. And the straight tubes work fantastic up to a certain length. And then with some of like the semi trucks, the big stuff, we found that there's even a better way to do it than straight tubes with some of the, the larger EGR coolers. And, and what Ken, uh, Gene's brother, well, this did. Is because of heat cycling. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah they so, see an enormous amount of heat cycling. So Ken thought, well, hey, rather than putting straight tubes in there, what if we put in tubes that were braided, almost like yeah. a, a braid you'd see in hair, like a French braid or something? But right. that way, instead of only expanding laterally they can expand medially too right. and uh, there's room for, there's four times less force in the testing that, that we paid to have done at, at the end plates uh, than, than an OE style so if you would think okay so when things get hot and cold they hot they expand cold they shrink yes one long tube is going to expand laterally straight up you run this like I know this is not a coil spring but for to it resembles a spring. It, a it, it is a coil spring. It's just not yeah. a very, it's very not... high helix number. Yeah. yeah. Very high so angle. if you had a coil spring inside there and it heats up, it's going to expand not so much laterally but more around itself, exactly. which means it's not going to push the end caps exactly. off of the core. It That's reduces the stress, yeah, yeah, by a factor of four. Right. So Gene's been around the world and he's got it patented in how many countries now? Ever place but China, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, are you actually having to travel around to do this? No, we have. Yeah, no. He lets his fingers do the walking. Yeah, yeah the patent ahead. attorneys have filed it all over Europe and Australia and yeah, all Wait, Korea. Can, you, can we back up and make up a different story and say that you went to every single place? Absolutely, <laughs> I had to travel to all of them and yeah, I had to get I had to get him out of prison in Indonesia. <laughs> North Korea was a tough place to yeah. get me out. Of. Yeah, for sure. He keeps carrying bags for people to give them extra money. Yeah. So, wow. I'll give you a hundred bucks to carry this bag across the border. <laughs> so, well, Dennis Rodman, I met him in prison in North Korea. He got me out. So, yeah. to go. You guys. All right. So, now. so back to the truck. That's what we were talking about. So, uh, so okay. So we did oil, we oil system, uh, head studs, EGR cooler, and then to kind of uh, fill out the rest of the, the recipe. There, we did our uh, billet water pump. Okay. Uh, stock six liter and even six four water pumps have a plastic impeller, uh, the, the propeller part of it, and sometimes those crack and see they can create a little bit. So ours are uh, billet aluminum. Six four is even worse. They'll beat up the uh, they'll beat up the front cover there. Yeah. And then you got to essentially replace the whole front of that engine. Yeah, um, yeah. The front cover goes. So, yeah. That's so we, always fun. Yeah. So we make a, a billet aluminum and it. 
blue anodized uh, water pump for those, and uh, we rarely uh, ever hear about a pump. You make, you make a pink one, though, too. We, do we still sell a pink one? <laughs> we had a limited run yeah. of pink ones, yeah, yeah, in honor of one of our employees, Pinky. Yeah. yeah. We sold those out pretty quick, actually. Wow, that's, that's pretty good. Fun. Yeah, there we go. And then uh, the next step we did was the thick one, the fuel injection control module. Right. Uh, a lot of times in six liters, they need to output 48 to control the fuel injector. Right? 48 volts. 48 volts. Yeah. And so a lot of times people see them starting to drop below 48 volts, you know. And so will it still run up to what 36? It, will it run at 24? It depends. We had a customer hard starts. And yeah, it doesn't run right. Yeah. You know, but I'm saying actually. We had a customer that came in one time, and he, he was told he needed injectors, and we checked it, and he had 16 volts. Oh my God. And we wow. started it up and drove it into the shop, and then we tested it again, and then it wouldn't restart uh, at 16 wow. or 15.8, so. Yeah. And it ran like it needed injectors, and it didn't. We yeah. put a new FICM on it, and ran like a top, and got that as a new truck, so. Right. Yeah. Right. So with our power slide supplies, you can set the voltage at 48, but you can also set it at 53 or 58 volts, and so. 53 is what I chose on, on my truck just because I figured, hey, better safe than sorry. I don't really think a lot of extra voltage does a lot of good, but at 53 volts, I'm relatively sure it will never drop to 448. Well, when I was a, and correct me if I'm wrong, when I was a mechanic here, electronic, electronics is part of what my job was, and I will say I never did this, which is probably a lot, but if you couldn't find an electrical, couldn't figure out what was doing this small, tiny electrical issue, Oftentimes you can throw a new battery at the vehicle and fix it. And it's because that extra voltage would oh, kind of bypass yeah. the issues. Uh, so is that is that maybe a quarter volt short or something? Like, yeah, you know. That's um, an interesting question. So yeah. I can see how having higher voltage tell me if this is one of the ideas behind it. Higher voltage could I mean that's not but you hit on something bigger that people will test their FICM voltage. We're like, okay, step one is test your battery voltage. Because right. it's the FICM is just a multiplier in effect. It takes 12 volts in and runs it through and spits out 48 on the other side. So if you got 11 or 12 volts getting to it, great. If you've got six volts getting to it, your FICM voltage is going to be low. And it's oh, I need a new FICM. The voltage is too low. Well, it's a multiplier, so you got to check the source first. But yeah. I guess, I mean, and the FICM doesn't have to have 47 volts, it quits, and 48 it works. It's not a, it just runs better the more voltage it adds to it to a certain extent. Well, it's redundant. The bulletproof FICMs are redundant as well, right? Isn't there four power systems now as opposed to two? Well, we sell a six phase as opposed to a four, yeah. Okay. Two extra transistors in there to help share the load. So, yeah. and also if they were to fail, you're still you got backups. You have backups, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I think more likely it's better to say that the chances of one failing is lower because all of six of them are now working together, and so none of them have to work as hard. Right. So none right. of them are. It's like having a six-cylinder engine instead of a four. You don't have to rev it up to nine thousand RPM to climb the hill. You can climb it at six thousand RPM. Sharing the load. Yeah. Sharing the load. So everything runs a little cooler and better. We all know heat just kills electronics, so yeah. keeping it cooler is the best part. And that's why we get a new cover for it, too, that's got a lot of heat fins on it to dump the heat. Well, very thick lives. circuit board. And I mean, it lives on a valve cover. Yeah. yeah. It's bolted yeah. up to the valve cover with yeah. little rubber isolators. I mean, just, it just always amazed me that you're going to take a what's running the engine and bolting it up. Right. Correct. I mean, might as well bolt it up to the transmission or something like that. <laughs> I know, know seriously. Like, yeah. You're just beating it. Not out of it. Bolted to the front right caliper. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a smoother ride than what it gets. It gets yeah. shaken what a billion times a second up right. there. Right. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do it on a fender well or something yeah. else, but 
Maybe because the harness was, would be moving all the time with the motor mounts. Well, speaking of fender wall, you your Bronco in the uh, ECU in the fender oh, wall. I remember that, yeah. yes. yes you got I, a long travel Bronco that kept getting kissed by the tire. I had a long travel Bronco. I should have kept 35s on it, but I put 37s on it. And that tire, I didn't have inner fender well, so that tire would just kiss the ECU and knock a wire out. And I remember I was never patient enough to try to figure out what was wrong. So we'd be out somewhere and I'd be like, oh, we're getting towed home. And then our pal Gusto would sit there for hours, uh -huh. unplugging wires and plugging them in until he'd be like, yes. And then it would start up. And I'd be like, that's why we brought Gusto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still have Gusto's half inch socket in my Ranger. Nakatillo, I remember yeah, that. I had oh a, my gosh. Yeah, cool tell, tell Gene about that. That's a good story. I we, want to hear it. we were out in Nakatillo, and I don't know, it was maybe five of us, five trucks just running through the canyons, I guess. Okay. Um, and my, my truck started overheating. So it stopped, pulled over. It was dry, drained everything out of it. There was a plastic fitting. It's a 94 truck. Yeah. Plastic fitting in the coolant system that degraded. I had nothing to put it back together. And it was just hose to hose, right? It was just yeah. hose to hose. Yeah, yeah it was hose to hose so with nothing, plastic fitting in the middle. It was a coupling. Yeah. A couple yeah. of them went bad. And Goose, we're trying to find anything we possibly could to put it together just to get back to camp. Gusto had a, I think it was a half inch socket with like a 5 8 OD outside oh, wow. diameter. Shoved that in there in between it, two hose clamps <laughs> on it. I, mean, I didn't have any water. We're pouring Gatorade, Sprite. Anybody got a pee? Yeah. yeah. I remember Literally telling Gusto, you're not getting that socket back, Gusto. Yeah. <laughs> it's still there. And it's one of those things where I won't take it off because it's just lasted and worked that long. It's been fun. But, well, maybe you're onto something. I mean, maybe we'll start using sockets as couplers. Yeah, that's, that's a real cheap way of using couplers. It's a $900. Well, I, I got a six-liter story to share that my brother and I, Ken, were working on his six-liter, his 04, and he was up over the cab and uh, up over the engine, I should say, and he was working on the little heat shields way at the back, and I hear a bunch of cuss words coming out, and I'm like, what's going on? And he goes, oh, I just dropped that 10-millimeter socket. I didn't hear it hit the ground. And I'm like, oh, all right. And, He's looking and looking, and I go, well, am I going to drive that one home tonight? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it'll probably be. Ah, well, that socket's gone. Okay. So I get in the truck, and I'm driving it home, and I, I live in Phoenix, and it was July, so it was 197 degrees, but it was late, thank goodness. I get probably, I drove about 30 miles, and I'm no less than about a mile from my house, and all of a sudden I get a, I got a flat tire, and it's going flat fast. You can hear, so I pull over into a parking lot, and by the time I can stop, I'm on three wheels, and that other one's just flat. Man, and I'm a mile from my house, and I'm tired, and it's 8 o'clock at night, and thank goodness the sun went down, because if you ever try to change a tire in Phoenix in the asphalt, the jack will just sink if it's, because the asphalt just melts in that temperature. Had a rug, get the tire down, change it, put it all together, and lift up the spare, throw it in the bed of the truck, close it up, and I go home. I get back to work the next day, and I grab my brother, and go, hey, I got something for you. He goes, what's that? Go, put the tailgate down. And puts it down. He goes, you had a flat? And I said, yeah, and look, there's the socket. It had been bedded right in the right in the uh, the tread of the tire perfectly and let all the air out oh, super fast. Because it's the hole all the yeah, way through. Right it's through. Yeah. I guess we could have used it as a coupler on a cooling hose sometime too, but it's just, yeah. I've never heard of a socket puncturing no. a tire. I've had yeah. a spark plug. Yeah. I had a spark plug going mine once, but never uh, Never a socket. There's a hole in the middle of the socket, so yeah. it's the perfect, perfect drain the tire. It this went flat in about 10 seconds, yeah. and we still have that socket. It's still. Oh, I'll put it back. It's still usable. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, put that on the wall of. Yeah, you know. it's part of the Hall of Fame at this point. Yeah. yeah. 
I got my own, my own box of Hall of Fame parts, things that stranded me or almost killed me, sort of thing. <laughs> I was just surprised there was a Jeff and a long travel Bronco story, you know? I mean, yeah. those seemed like so rare. That thing always was. Well, it took perfect. me nine years. Yeah. And then, and then I finally sold it, when it, yeah. was, when it was completed, or almost completed, but oh well, it was fun, I learned a lot, it was great. It's funny how our, our lives have changed from wanting to be doing 90 miles an hour across the desert to, uh, no, I just want to be in the air conditioning yeah. and just sort of cruise around in the desert, you know, <laughs> just getting older. Look at those 20-somethings over there, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. outside in the heat, yeah. That's what I said with my 7.3 when I bought them, like, I don't care if it's loud, I just want, you know, I want something loud and fast and... You know, now that I'm in the Beamer, it's like, no, I want something quiet and fast. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. do change. Fast, but it happens. Yeah. Definitely does. What's your guys' uh, plan for the rest of the day? Uh, we're going to go check out the rest of the show, see what else is out there, uh, see what our competition's doing. We there saw the go. whole thing in 20 minutes, right, Jeff? Yeah, I think we saw it all thing? already, yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's just this little room right here, right? No, it, this it's just this booth. Okay. Uh, just uh, it's this the booth. only one that matters, yeah. actually. Yeah. That's why it's got a five-digit number, because it's the only booth here. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just the Diesel World booth. That's 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 it. No, but we've no. got an interest in seeing what diesels are here, because we've expanded our product line from just Fords to now we're, we're supporting Cummins engines and Duramax and everything like that with EGR coolers. Nice. Uh, H-Core technology inside those. Yeah. So the uh, the Ram 67 one we recently released, and uh, that we expect some people to come knocking on our door for that one because apparently, with the current Cummins at 67,500 miles, there's an alarm that comes on in the dashboard. You're supposed to take it for a service. And part of the service includes taking off the EGR cooler and soaking it and cleaning it, you know, with the solution and all that. People don't want to do that. You know, people are calling it the 67,500 mile an hour, like, money grab. They have, right. like, nicknames for it. Right, you know, of course. Dealership. Yeah. It's the same with my, uh, my BMW. It's about 50,000 miles. you got to take the intake off yeah. and all that off and decarbon it. So we're, we're, we're tempting to show people, hey, there's an alternative to that, you yeah. know? Well, actually, when are you going to make one for the BMW? There you go, yeah. There you go. Before you hit 50,000 miles, hopefully. Uh, yeah. I'm already there. Oh. Yeah. 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 So, so it's gonna be fun to to finally, because to me, Cummins people are are just crazy nuts. Cummins fanatics. Fanatics. Yeah. yeah. When I used to go to uh, the Diesel Power Challenge every year, I would always just marvel at how committed Cummins people were. They'll yeah. upgrade anything, even if they don't need it, just because it's an upgrade. Right. You know, they, like, oh, I need that one. That one's better. Yeah. And so, uh, it's been a long time coming, but I'm really happy that, that we're supporting Cummins owners now. And, now you gotta start selling the big C stickers because they all have to have that. <laughs> yeah, of course they do. You know. Of course. Yeah. I wonder if we could somehow work that into a bulletproof logo somehow. Oh, yeah. Without, without the Cummins lawyers coming after us. Yeah. Oh. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. I know something about trademarks and uh, yeah. Yeah. So that means we're gonna see Rams at bulletproof now next time I go there. Different Rams? No Rams. Oh Rams, yeah. yeah. Rams. We've yeah. we've got employees that drive Ram yeah. uh, Cummins six seven yeah. Yeah. And Duramax. At least a couple of Duramaxes rolling in every right. day, too. So, yeah. um, so we're, you know, we're producing the EGR cooler for more than one version of that 6.6 Duramax. Sure. You know, the LBZ. Right. The, what is the LLY? Is that the more LLY? Yeah. No. Yeah. So it was LLY. Sorry, excuse me. LB7, LLY, LBZ, LML. Sorry, LMM, LML, L5P. See, and the most confusing thing is they, they kept it all the same displacement. It's all 6.6. Six. Yeah, At least Ford had had enough banners uh, to say, hey, we'll, we'll change the displacement so you don't get them mixed up so easy. Yeah, see, I actually, I actually very happy with 
Ford went through so many different engines. And you know they didn't want to. No, I know they yeah. didn't want to. Well, yeah. four, right, since 2002. So the 7.3, yeah. 6 liter, 6.4, now the 6.7. Yeah. And they've stuck with the 6.7. It's a tremendous engine. I think it's a great engine. Yeah. I'm yeah. so happy that they finally stuck with something. I know they didn't want to. I know it was emissions reasons. It was all For these the other different things. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. 7.3, yeah. Yeah, well, going to the 6.0, um, all the rumors as to why they went to the 6.0 and saying that they knew it was going to be a, they knew it was going to be a problem, insane rumors. It needs to be ready, but it's not ready. But exactly. it needs to be, but it's not. Yeah, it's a sticky wicket for everybody. Nobody likes those situations. 6.4 was the band aid to get to the next one, um, but Duramax, that bottom end for the most part. Gonna get yelled at by so many people for saying this. You get yelled at no matter what. <laughs> for the most part, that rotating the the, the block has been the same all the way through. Rotating masses for the most part have been the same. You know, they just wow. change for injections. It's the same thing with Cummins. They've essentially stuck with this one thing, which has allowed the aftermarket to get behind it. Oh, that's a good point. And yeah. really push all these performance stuff. Well, you what know, Adam's uh, saying is, you can buy one set of pistons from your really old Cummins and put them on your new one too. Essentially, right? Yeah. Oh, one thing that always struck me about built Duramax is, is when they go down a drag strip, they almost sound like a gas engine. Have you ever noticed that? More than a Cummins or a, or a power strip. They all have their own sound. Yeah, I guess but, yeah. depending on how it's built. Yeah, but I've, yeah. I always thought that, that Duramaxes had almost a gas sound when they're built. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I agree with that. Totally depends on their build. They got a big uh, VGT. They, yeah. You know, they sound like a helicopter turbine engine. Yeah. But, no. Yeah. Whereas the 6.0 sounds like Chewbacca. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? yeah. You, you, you could probably identify any light truck diesel just by the sound at this point, couldn't you? You know what's funny is I used to be a lot better at it. I, I think um, when I got out of the sales and out of um, installing parts and all that stuff, and more, um, more actually more so on the performance side because it does, they change how they sound. Yeah. But yeah, I can definitely tell the Cummins between them. Duramax. Well, sounds like a tractor. It must be a Cummins, right? Yeah. The new 6.7, yeah. uh, Gene's got a 2018 that's so silent, it's just incredible. It's just a power incredible. stroke, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 6.7 power stroke in his Ford. And I, when you sit in it, you could swear the truck was either off or you're not in a diesel. It's so quiet. It's just so incredible. Nice. I've, got, me, I've got that one and I've got a Raptor, a 2017 Raptor, and I almost prefer to drive the power stroke. Wow. Yeah. These, it's so comfortable and so nice. It's, I mean, you want to get around somebody, you floor it and you go. It's not a... It's not your grandpa's diesel. It is a fantastic powertrain. When uh, our buddy Jared Jones, when he got his, he showed me something I thought was interesting. He took a water bottle and he put it on the cab of the truck and the water was flat. Wow. It's perfectly still, yeah, no wow. ripples in it, it was just perfectly flat. And then he put it on the tire and it had ripples all through. Huh. And it was just, it kind of showed me the how well of a job they'd done stabilizing that cab. Yeah. You know, and then he drank the water bottle and it was vodka. Uh, well, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did yeah you, probably. Didn't you get this from Jared, Jeff? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't water know. Bottle vodka. I'm afraid to taste it without a chaser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I hear you there. You know, I wouldn't be so, the least bit surprised if Jared Jones wanders across the, the, the set here and says, oh, hey, you guys. Yeah. He's around somewhere. I didn't know you were here. Yeah, yeah sure. We look, just look for a big Sasquatch looking dude. <laughs> Who hasn't had a shower in a day and a yeah. half. Yeah, that's true. Dragging his wrists on the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the girl's so, chasing him. So Jared, Mr. Offroad Jones, a freelance uh, automotive journalist, you could say, mm -hmm. came into uh, 
Las Vegas was seen with the day before yesterday, I believe. Or no, he, he, last le night? he left at 1 a.m. from Southern California. Uh, got Tuesday here, morning, right? Tuesday morning. Got here, didn't have a hotel room, so he brought his sleeping bag for his Durango. I don't know where he stayed last night, but I'm pretty sure he's staying at my room tonight and tomorrow. Oh, God. So. <laughs> well, so everyone, so that everyone knows, um, Jeff actually hired me on my first media job. Um, Gene, I've known from day one then, essentially. Yeah. Um, so we've, I, I would say we're more buddies than anything else. Which is why sure. we have all these weird We've moabbed together. Stories. Yeah. yeah. All this inside it. stuff that no one else is going to be entertained by. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. You know, we got some good info on the 6.0. We got a lot of good stuff. We actually have a couple new products coming out for the 6.7 that I can't quite announce yet, but we have some new products that we're very excited HR about. HR cooler. Uh, oh. Well, oh, cool. uh, something, yeah, Jeff, yeah. Uh, so for cool. anyone who is looking for a sales guy, Jeff apparently now needs a job. Uh -oh. Yeah, yeah, maybe so, yeah. yeah. He's good at carrying luggage too, but uh, <laughs> just stay stay tuned with us and check us out. We got a lot of products coming out for it. We're just excited because cool stuff coming up and those trucks. Again, we just really are excited on they they work and they work so well. Everything I've ever seen come out of your guys' shop is innovative, original, perfect. You know, I mean, it's it's yeah, you, guys you know, some amazing stuff. So we get calls now from, from companies that we don't make products for. Nestle Foods was in contact and said, we have all these problematic trucks. Can you guys design an, an ETR cooler for them? Yeah, so, fleet service. So now, yeah, we're really getting into fleets and, and yeah. big fleets like LA County Fire, Cal Fire, and, right. and UPS. And, and it allows you more areas to test. And then for the pickup truck drivers, they yeah. get to benefit off that as well. So it's cool having people access us that way too. You know, some people say I had a pickup truck, but I, I you know, I drive a big international truck, and I, right. I saw that you guys are making EGR coolers for these now too. I'm welcome. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. One guy's like, I have your EGR cooler. My boss called me up, said we need a new EGR cooler for this other truck. Well, I got these guys that bought this truck from two years ago, and it works great. Give them a call. Yeah. I think we sold them stuff that afternoon, right? So. So we've had a couple of uh, hot sellers already in the fleet market. So that's a, that's a new horizon for us. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's real soul. Now what actually just out the when I was out there a year and a half ago, you guys had a new um, what's the new oh man, yellow machine you guys oh, have there? It's the, like the a vacuum oh, furnace. It's like vacuum a hyper furnace. Bear chamber almost. It really does. If yeah. you get the bends we can yeah, That was pretty slick. So it brings it brings the parts down to a vacuum, heats them up, um, so that you can essentially weld your parts together it's brazing it's brazing yeah yeah so for the audience that maybe doesn't know brazing is a way of fusing two different products together and it's yeah. kind of like soldering but at a much higher temperature right. and we put it in a vacuum and we pull a vacuum because that helps evaporate any oils any moisture anything else that the technician sneezed on it when he was putting it together it's any sterile. impurities that are there between the bulkhead the tube and that braze is gonna make a flaw right. so we got to get that stuff away so we put it under a vacuum and then we heat it up too and if yeah. the braze melts at you know 1500 degrees Fahrenheit or whatever it is we'll heat it up at 1400 for three or four hours under a vacuum so any moisture anything that evaporates and is gone yeah. any snot any whatever. oils whatever yeah. fingertips fingerprints that stuff is just gone fingertips fingertips well <laughs> these are technicians <laughs> yes. ah, yeah. <laughs> so they uh with their own fingerprints anyway so yeah yes. so then we'll melt and then we'll pop it up to the right temperature for 10 minutes 
let the braise soak in and wick into between the two parts and then we peel it back down and it just makes a fantastic product. When they come out, they're you can agree with this, Jeff, that they're really shiny and new. It looks like something Apple would make or something. It looks beautiful. Yeah, Gene recently told me, hey, all the products we shoot for the website, let's make sure they're get them right out of the brazier when they're looking good. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a good call. It that's just amazed me going to that your guys' shop every single time I've gone with it, just the new technologies that are in there every time. The new, it's uh, I mean, yeah, that vacuum it. furnace really is something. It's got to be 10 feet tall. It's a big yellow cylinder capsule, I guess, because yeah. there's ends on both ends. But the, the part you don't see when you're there is there's a huge cooling tower for it outside. Right. So it's, I mean, it's twice as big as you think it is just by looking at it. The whole apparatus. What it takes to make yeah. it, run it. It's much yeah. larger than what you see. But we wanted to make that investment because having those EGR coolers last is what we built our name on. And right. it's hard to be bulletproof diesel if your stuff breaks every six weeks, you know, if it's <laughs> cheap China stuff. Exactly. And so we put our money where our mouth is and we invest our money where our name is. And that's what we've done with that. I don't think today we've even had any tube failures at all. Maybe. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think we have. Well, I, just, I just asked about it. It was hand welded before, wasn't it? They it used was. to be all hand welded. You can imagine how intensive that is, oh, welding yeah. all those little tubes in. Every single one of them. Yeah. yeah. So now the guys, you know, take a, a nickel solution, a brazing solution, and brush it on there, and right. they can load in 40 at a time into this vacuum furnace. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're taking what, an hour per EGR cooler of welding, if not two, and breaking it down to a fraction. Yeah. It still takes a while, but now it's a batch process, yeah. right? We can run it at night and start it at six o'clock at night and it's done in the morning and yeah. be more productive. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone ever wants to come see it, come by Bulletproof Diesel. I mean, we have a, we have a retail uh, storefront for people to come buy stuff and check stuff out. We love showing people around. We'll usually give people a, a t-shirt or something coming by. And they have a tank. And we have a tank. Yeah. Well, that's and they'll, true. they'll let you drive the tank around downtown Phoenix if you show up. <laughs> no problem. Anybody that shows up. <laughs> yep. Put that 50 million bucks in my bank account in the Bahamas yeah. and you can drive the tank yeah. anywhere you want. But every Friday when we put the tank away, we usually run over something. And so... Uh, yeah, got, this is really cool. We've actually. got a YouTube channel uh, called... Uh, uh, well, part of our channel. Uh, uh, things that annoy Ken get crushed by the tank, and so uh, we've we've crushed an awful lot of stuff because lots of stuff annoys Ken. Right. Yeah. And we've even crushed some stuff that doesn't annoy him. What yeah. was the uh, What was the most fun thing you crushed? Well, they crushed a Prius before I was there, which oh, I, I think that. takes the cake. Yeah. yeah. You can't beat yeah. that. Uh, yeah. We've done some other fun stuff. Uh, we did a jet ski not too long ago. Nice. Um, we had fun with a. Uh, Refrigerator was pretty good. We put okay. a bunch of cheap beer in a refrigerator and then ran, ran that yeah. over. Didn't we do a big screen TV too? Done some big screen TVs. One of the funniest one was I just took a can, a big can from the grocery store of uh, sliced beets because Ken hates beets. And we ran over it and what we didn't think of is when it punctured, it was just going to shoot a spray of beet juice everywhere. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so who got who got sprayed down? Uh, our, our, our camera woman for that day, Dina, who, who works Dina with us, got she got sprayed. Man. But I remember looking in the air and it was just a fine pink mist <laughs> everywhere. And you were breathing in it in your nose and everything. It was just beets. Yeah, so uh, I'm not doing that one again. Uh, well, no, you just find something else to do with it, you know? <laughs> so if anyone has ideas, email me at jeff at bulletproofdiesel.com. I'll do it. Yeah, we'll smash just about anything. We've yeah. done old toilets and such yep. that didn't work very yeah. well. Barbecue grills. Yeah. We did an, an old drum set that didn't work anymore. Nice. Uh, like anything nice. and everything. So that's what we do. Yeah. We'd like to have fun. Yeah. And it's a diesel engine in the in the Jeep or in right. the tank. So white diesel, isn't it? It's a what? White 
white, white diesel? What's the engine? It's I remember sitting. It in runs the next a multi-fuel. It's yeah. a Leland engine. Is the oh, manufacturer okay. an L60? I think it is a Leland 60. It actually will run on multiple fuels, but uh, yeah, it's a cool engine. Yeah. There's 12 pistons, but only six cylinders. So any of your fans out there trying to figure out that math? Yeah, it's opposing pistons. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know that, but they do. Right. Now yeah, they well, do. It's essentially they're pushing. The pistons are pushing towards each other. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Still sounds like, I mean, if I remember correctly, it still sounds like a normal diesel. Yeah, well, it's a two-stroke. It's revved up. It sounds right. a little different. But. Yeah, and I think revved up is 800 RPM yeah. or something. It doesn't go real high. But yeah, it's a cool well, if thing. Well, it's, it's two-stroke, then is it um, compressed? I don't know. I don't know if there's... It's like the, the two-strokes that I grew up with, uh, 6B92 Detroits, you know, they had to have a supercharger on them to scavenge the air out of the cylinder for, for better running. Then they had a turbo for the high end. So it was essentially, not essentially, it was quite literally a super turbo. Super turbo. A super turbo diesel. Wow. Uh, but I would think that one would have to be compressed as well for efficiency's sake. It probably is, but I don't, yeah. I don't want to tell you yes or no. Right. Come on over, we'll do a Diesel World article on it. There you go. We'll climb Done. in that thing, we'll Done. run over something. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, that would be fun. It's a cool engine. I'll rent a car and I'll get the, uh, <laughs> the I'll get all insurance. the insurance. <laughs> you want the no-fault walk-away insurance for $12 more? Here's 20 yes. buddy. Hello, Enterprise. <laughs> I've got a flat car I need you to pick up. A flat tire? No, it's well, a flat car. At least a flat tire. Yeah. I was just driving. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I, don't know what happened. Yeah. I parked in the McDonald's parking lot, came back. and just parked at this vendor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this customer of ours. Yeah, absolutely. So, Adam, what's new in the diesel world that we need to be looking at? Oh, man. You know, it's it's grown so much in just the last few years. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little more partial on the racing side, but it's, it's kind of been amazing just to see how the performance of diesel engines has grown. So, tell us about the, the ultimate call-out challenge. Should we be involved in that? Tell us about it. Yeah, I think you guys should. I what mean, is it? Tell me about it. Uh, call out challenge mm -hmm. is um, so in 2016 um, James Brendel and I James really had the idea um, and then we both just sort of tweaked it to what it was and we took it over right after that but it's 32 I think is the number back then it was 32 um, of the highest horsepower trucks in the country okay. the whole idea was everyone goes to all these events to, um, you know, they want to see things blow up. They want to see the, the best of the best. There's usually only two guys that are really you know, clear the stands and everyone goes over to the dyno to see them run. Or, you know, we wanted to collect all those guys okay. in one spot. An all-star sort of thing. Exactly, an all-star deal. That's what it is. Okay. So it happens in May in Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, it's three days long, drag racing, sled pulling, dyno. Um, and they're actually doing last year was the first year for qualifiers so instead of it being the top 32 now there's other people that can just enter and come in if you get 700 horsepower higher kind of thing you qualify yeah something like that You're, um, and they are trying to qualify for the next year okay so there's you'll have sled pull and dyno going on the same day you'll have actually that's not take it back sled pulls all one day but you'll have drag and dyno going on one day. So you'll have the, the actual competitors dragging one day and 
the qualifiers dyno in the same day. So there's a ton of action. Uh, yeah. Um, is it worth you going? You know, I think it's worth anyone going to that. I mean, if you guys haven't gone out to it to see it, you should definitely at least it's fun. go no, out and see it. One thing I thought, you know, is most of our products are reliability-based, and those guys are so custom that our products wouldn't even close to them. But some of them might use our water pump or our 58-volt thicker. Think about what they're towing to there. Great point. Yeah, they're all yeah, towing them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, and even every single person that goes to that show, they're not all hardcore racers. They just they don't have a hundred grand burning a hole in their pocket that they put into a truck, so. <laughs> it is, you know, in all honesty, I mean, it is a very affluent demo. It has to be to be able to. Uh, to enter, right? I mean. They, well, I mean, just just outside the entries, yeah, of course, the guys that are entering have to have some coin to be able to pull it off or be really creative to figure yeah. it out. But um, just everyone that's there, yeah, you got to have some money to buy these $80,000 trucks. So. Yeah. And even if you're buying the cheaper ones. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, no. They last forever, so you're, you know, probably recoup that, but um, you still got to be prepared to spend three grand when you when something breaks. About a bench you've grown in the last couple of years. Oh, incredible. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. must you must be proud of it. Yeah, I, I am. I, it's not my event anymore. Yeah. You know, it was, um, but it's uh, it is very very cool to see how it's grown. Yeah, that's great. You know, a lot of people have. I've heard a lot of people come out and say that UCC helped the industry grow as quick as it has in the last few years as far as performance. I don't know how true that is, but I'm sure it didn't hurt it. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch. That's great. That's great. It's been fun to watch. It's a little bit kind of like, uh, you know, watching an ex-girlfriend succeed. <laughs> wish I was, wish it was uh, still more involved, but yeah, no, we, we still help out a lot. That's great. It's a fun event. Sounds cool. It sounds fun. I think it'd be interesting. And part of the idea is that you got to be reliable enough to do all three parts, not just specialized in. You have to do one. all three. Yeah. yeah. And part of the rules was there. There are no rules. Oh. Other than safety. So yeah. guys can spray as much as they want. That's they can great. run whatever fuel they want. They can do whatever they want. They can swap engines out. Unlimited classes. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, two years ago, um, the firepunk team they took a sled pulling engine, a Sigma pump sled pulling engine, just, I mean, it runs on compression so low that they have to use for like four cans of ether just to get it <laughs> to where it will run under diesel. Wow. Um, but they they drag raced with their normal commentary, pulled that out, pulled this mechanical engine in wow. for the dyno, and then swapped it back out again for the sled pulls. Unbelievable. And it was just... You know, it's stuff like that. It's just amazing to that's see. Cool. You know. That's cool. That's a few late nights right there. Yeah. That's the, yeah. yeah that's, yeah. yeah. Two very late nights. Now, can they do that on the side of the trail in the Baja, you know, with <laughs> two <laughs> headlamps yeah. and, a, yep. and an 8 millimeter socket? Because that's what we get called to do sometimes, it seems like, you know, in the middle they, of nowhere. They probably could just be really tough and a lot of planning beforehand to make that happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's fun. But that's great. Bringing a cherry picker out there with you. Amazing sport. It's amazing what people will do with cars, trucks, and engines, you know, and, yeah. and where they'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been great talking with you guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, Adam. It's great. Yeah. It's been fun. We're going to go check out the rest of the show, see what else we can find. If, if we find something we really think you ought to see, we'll come back and Oh, show definitely. Yeah. Please do. I'll, 
I'll get to wander around a little bit later today. I'll be like, tomorrow. Adam, this H2 has 32 inch wheels. You're gonna oh, need to see it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Without jack supports. Yeah. It's got nine turbos. <laughs> 12 CP3s. Well, thanks, Adam. Thanks to you, the world. You guys do a lot for us. We yeah. appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Right. Good seeing you thank guys. Thank you, Adam. Always appreciate it. Thank you guys. Thanks. Don't forget, diesel fans, if you're looking to build your truck, you have questions on upgrades, performance, any of those things, make sure you check out our sponsors. They're more than more than happy to chat with you guys, or you send them an email, and they can uh, help you that way. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.